The scripture reading for today's sermon is John chapter 8, verses 28 through 36. Please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. The voice of Christ speaks to us like this. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you can say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of God to us. You may be seated. All right. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Happy Easter. So glad to be with you guys. My name is Chad Kinzer. I get to serve as lead pastor here at Frontline Downtown. It's a privilege to be with you guys today. If you do have a Bible, open up to John chapter 8, the passage we just read a moment ago. Uh, Again, thrilled to be with you. I want to pray, as you're opening your Bibles, I want to pray to begin our time together, and then we'll jump into the service from there. Let's pray. Great King, we love you. We love you because of what you've done for us, the way you came for us, the way you stood for us, the way you resiliently fought for us the way you have risen from the dead, something that we could never have foreseen ourselves. And so, Jesus, from from the way we've sung today, from the way we've prayed today, from the way we've heard spoken word and celebrated the truth that you have come and you're coming again, Jesus, would you in this moment possess our minds in a way of, of rapturing up our attention? Would you spike up our attention? Would you hold our attention today, God? Would you spike up our heart's affections? Would you lead us into truth, Holy Spirit, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done in this room just like it's happening in heaven? We pray these, name, these, we pray these things in Jesus' strong name. And God's church said, amen, amen. Well, in 1995, Pope John Paul II delivered a speech at the 50th anniversary of the founding of the United Nations. And in that speech, his sole focus was about uh, the human longing, the human need for social and political and economic freedom. And he had this quote, he had this line he said in that speech 20 years ago, over 20 years ago now, he said, the universal longing for freedom, human freedom, is a distinguishing mark of our time. The universal longing for freedom, human freedom, is a distinguishing mark of our time. He said that quote over 20 years ago, right? That that was true then, It's, it's certainly true even to this present day, but we think about our current cultural moment, it's not just about social or economic or even political freedom. There's, there's those things, certainly, but there's also a cry for moral freedom, right? There's also a cry in our current day for moral freedom. The, the sexual liberation movement has been going on for decades. So there's this constant redefining of terms, this idea that we want to find freedom through whatever pleasure we would see fit. There's also this cry in our day, this just cry for racial freedom, That every person, regardless of color or race, would be seen and be treated with the dignity and care 
that is deserving of a fellow human being made in the image of God. Over and over and on and on the list could go. We are a people who are constantly grabbing for freedom and more freedom, right? And even as Americans, what I find unique about this, even as Americans, people who would pride ourselves on being the land of the free, right? If we can be honest with ourselves, even for just a second, we're not satisfied. We're not satisfied. We're always grabbing for more. Our own internal struggles are our constant voice of discontent that bears out the truth of our, of our struggle with freedom, regardless of what our outside appearances would suggest to us. We always want more. We're always reaching for more. And even when we can't find freedom inside of ourselves, what do we do, right? We can't find freedom inside of us. We can't find freedom immediately around us. Then we'll look outside of ourselves to things like money and power and approval and comfort. We do these things. And so for some of you in the room today, Maybe you're coming in and, and what you want is you want a freedom from the person you were known to be back home. Maybe you just recently moved to Oklahoma City, you recently moved from a different state, and you're wanting to have a fresh start. You're wanting freedom from who it is that you were known to be in a different place, in a different space. Others of you, you walk into this room and the freedom that you want is a freedom from the overbearing expectations that are being placed on you by those around you. You want to be free to be loved for who you are, Right? There's others of you in the room today, and maybe what you want is you're looking for a freedom from your own conscience. You're walking in today, and you're plagued with confusion, depression, plagued with guilt and shame that seem to haunt you and hover over you, and you can't escape it. You want freedom from your own conscience. See, wherever you are today, and however you're walking in, there is a singular thing that every one of us have in common in this room. This deep and intense longing for freedom. Every one of us want it. Every one of us are grabbing for it. Every one of us are grasping for it. Every one of us are trying to do anything we can to get our hands on it. In fact, we're willing to do anything and everything to get a semblance of it. If anything props itself up to say, hey, freedom's over here, we're willing to compromise who we are to test it out. We're willing to compromise things we said we would never do to see if it's actually over there. We want freedom. We want something more than money and politics and pleasure can provide to us. We want it. And here's what's so interesting today. This longing for freedom, this angst, this unction for freedom that's present in the room, that's present in every human soul, has everything to do with Easter. And it has everything to do with what brings us to what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 8. So Jesus is going to say some things today. He's going to chime in and say some things about who he is and a life with him that might just have the power to change some of you in the room today. In fact, I would say change all of us. Change all of us. Jesus is going to say some things about true freedom and the power that he has to do for us. If we would trust him, he's going to say some things about the power that he has to do for us, some things that we could never do for ourselves, right? And so when we pick up in John chapter 8, Jesus is caught up in this lengthy conversation with the religious leaders of his day. They were always trying to trap him. They were always trying to argue with him. And in this particular moment, they are challenging him on the authority that he claims he has to forgive sins and to release people. They were challenging him on this. They were challenging him even on the notion that he would call himself the light of the world and then even call God his father. They're saying, who is it that you think that you are? The religious leaders. So look back down at John chapter 8, verse 31. 
Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is a massive statement that Jesus says here. Absolutely massive. What Jesus just said is truth is not something, but truth is someone. Truth is not something that you go out there to seek. It's not something that you go out there to find. Instead, truth is a person that you come to know, right? He flips the whole idea, the whole notion of truth on its head. In fact, a few chapters later from John chapter 8 and John 14, he's going to bring this whole concept full circle. There he's going to say the famous line, for I am the way, I am the truth. He says, I'm the truth. So truth is not found in science. It's not found in philosophy. It's not found in psychology. It's not found in medicine. It's not found in law. It's not even found in religion, right? What Jesus is saying is that he is the source of all truth and all truth points back to him. He's the fountainhead of all moral and ethical and cosmic truth and it all points back to him. So that every person on the planet right now is having their breath held together by Jesus. That he is the ultimate, authoritative, objective, absolute in the universe. All creation flows from him and all creation points back to him. All life is from him and all life is for him and someday every single person will answer to him. And so this is what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, this was a massively, massively unpopular thing to say. It was 2,000 years ago, and it's massively unpopular to say in this present culture in 2018. Because here's the reality, right? Like, none of us want absolute truth. Very few people want absolute truth. What we want instead is relative truth. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. What's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. You live your life, I'll live my life. Can't we just coexist and move on from there, right? That's what the mantra is of our present day. That sounds really nice and good. The problem is Jesus says it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So, so here's, the, here's the mantra of our world. That if you want to find freedom, it's going to be found in success and achievement and advancement. It's going to be found through sexual discovery and through sexual conquest. It's going to be found through more money and more experiences and bigger promotions and bigger houses and more trinkets, right? This is what the world is saying. The problem with that is many of us already have many of those things and we're not as free as we want to be. Many of us already have much of what the world says that we're going to need to get free. The problem is we're not as free as we want to be. We're still longing. And here's the problem. Our problem, your problem, my problem, the problem for every person on the planet isn't that we don't have enough stuff. We have plenty of stuff. Our problem is sin. Our problem is rebellion. It's brokenness. It's rejection of a right relationship with truth himself. Himself. Truth himself. That's our problem, right? And so Jesus says this in the midst of a culture who hated it then, in the midst of a culture who hates it even now. But look at what 
Look at what those who disagree with him say in 33. It says, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it that you're going to say you will become free? (laughs) So here's what the hearers of Jesus just said. Wait a second. What are you talking about you're going to make us free? What are you talking about that you're the truth? We're Jews. We're the sons of Abraham. We're God's chosen people. We've never been enslaved by anyone or by anything. How is it that you say you're going to make us free? What can you do for us that we don't already have within ourselves? That's how they respond to him. Now, here's what's so crazy, right? Can you imagine being there in that moment? That sounds really big and bold. Like that sounds like a really big comeback to Jesus. Like, wow, you really stood your ground against the son of God. Congratulations. The problem is it just wasn't true. <laughs> like somehow these religious leaders had forgotten over their own history. They'd become so self-focused and so enamored with their own prideful entitlement as being God's people. They had forgotten their own national history. They had been enslaved by the Egyptians They had been enslaved by the Assyrians. They had been enslaved by the Philistines. They had been enslaved by the Greeks. When these words were said, they were currently under Roman occupation. They had never even known freedom. All they had known was slavery. That's the only thing they had ever known. And so maybe the same thing is true for some of us in this room today. Like you're sitting here hearing me talk about this, and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way that freedom can be found only in Jesus. There's no way that's true. I'm free right now. My life is going just fine the way I want it and how I want it. What can Jesus really do for me, right? But look at how Jesus responds to those who think they're free apart from him. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So here's how Jesus responds. He says, no, 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 no. Listen, you are actually a slave, even if you can't see it. So his original Jewish audience, what he was saying to them was this. Hey, the slavery that you're dealing with is far more dangerous than the Egyptians ever thought about being. The slavery that you're attached to is far more sinister than the Greeks ever thought about being to your ancestors. The slavery that's going on in your life that's present right there with you, he sang to his original audience, is far more dangerous than something that will put scars on your back. This is a kind of slavery that will lace scars all over your soul. He says, this is a slavery to sin. Now, what Jesus says in that moment has everything to do with his original audience, but it also has everything to do with you and me because what he says right here hits you and I right to the core, right to the core. So it's Easter Sunday. Here's what I would love to see happen in this room today that you and I could hear what's going on in this passage, that you and I could hear what's happening in this text, and that somehow, by the grace of God, we could be honest with ourselves just for a moment. Just for a moment. 
that we would put down the need that we have to look good in front of the people around us, the family we came with, the friends that we came with. We have the, the freedom to put down the need. We have to look good in front, of our, in front of them with all of our Easter clothes and the stuff we bought, right? That we would have, put down the need we have to look bulletproof or even this facade of our own Christian spirituality and just be honest. Like, wouldn't it be beautiful if God would give us enough freedom in this place just to be able to raise our hand and say, hey, listen, I'm a Christian, but I'm not doing so well with this whole love in Jesus thing. Like, like I, or maybe you're here and you're not yet a Christian. That You could be able to raise your hand and say, hey, listen, I, I want to believe. I, I think I want to believe. But I'm wrecked out with doubts if any of this is even true. Or I've got some sin that is just owning my life. No one knows about it. I keep up appearances to make everyone think everything's okay. But I've got some sin that's owning my life and I can't seem to get away from it. That kind of honesty, that kind of freedom would be beautiful today. It'd be beautiful. But it's hard to be that honest. It's hard to be that honest. But here's what I know to be true. Despite all the ways that you and I try to cover over ourselves and to convince ourselves that everything's okay, addiction to pornography is wrecking us out. Wrecking us out. Eating disorders and intense anxiety over body image is a paralyzing cycle for many. Living in the fear of man, living your life for the approval of others and the endorsement of people around you is an exhausting treadmill that never ends and is so real for so many. Maybe there's others of you, right? And you're haunted with guilt and shame from horrific thoughts and desires that no one sees, no one knows about, but they're so real in your heart and your mind, you can't escape them and you have no idea what to do. You see, left to ourselves, we will never be free. And I don't have to convince you of that today. I think if I just bear out those facts for a second, left to ourselves, we know this. We're going to be slaves to sin. That's just gut level honest. So now the question is, so can we get free? Like, like how, do we, how do we do this freedom thing, right? Like, how can I get out of the rat race of sexual addictions? How can I get out of the rat race of brokenness? How, how can I free myself from selling my soul out to success and advancement and money? I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that if you define yourself by those things, you'll never be as satisfied as you want to be because you'll never have enough. So the question is, how, how, how do we do freedom? Like, can we do it? Well, there's three things I want to mention today. There's three ways available to us. Two are really popular and don't work. <laughs> Two are really popular and they don't work. And the first is indulgence. It's trying to find freedom in your life through indulgence. So here's how this works. Freedom through indulgence works like if the predominant MO of your life is whatever I want, whenever I want it, however I want it, whatever I want, I get. There are no rules. The only rule is 
you only live once. YOLO, baby, right? That's old. That's not cool anymore. But that's the mentality. (laughs) That's the only rule. And so you know you're finding freedom in your life through indulgence, the, the indulgence mentality. You know you're doing this if you find yourself constantly comparing yourself to other people around you as a way of trying to convince yourself to justify that your pattern of life is normal. See, look, everyone else is doing it. I'm not the only one. Or at least I'm not as bad as that guy. And I don't have anything against you over here. (laughs) That's freedom through indulgence. But this kind of pseudo freedom, it actually ends up lying to you. Freedom through indulgence actually lies to you. It lies to you and tells you that you can't get out. Even if you want to, even if you want to get out, the lie of indulgence says you're already in too far anyways. You're stuck here. And so in order to numb the pain that you feel, the only way to do that is more of the very thing that you're tired of and now ashamed of. And so now indulgence leads you on to try to convince yourself, this is just who I am. This is just the way that I am. This is just who I have to be. It's the lie of indulgence. Another sign that you're seeking freedom through indulgence is that you start trying, trying to find ways to blame the people around you for why you are the way that you are, that they're the reason you are the way that you are. Blame, shift, blame shifting is a classic technique for covering over internal shame. The problem is it just doesn't work. All of us have tried it and all of us still have thoughts that roll through our head when we lay our head on a pillow at night. All of us. So the first way to find freedom is through indulgence. We've all done it. The second way, the second really popular way to chase down freedom is through religion and morality. Through religion and morality. Through, through just trying harder and pulling yourself up, right? So this is often the response of those who are trying to leave a life of indulgence. This is the pendulum swing. Over here I'm indulging. Over here, now I'm religious and moral, right? So, so religious and moral freedom looks like this. It looks like just making mounds and mounds of promises and commitments, busying yourself with endless activities, building for yourself a list of morals to try to keep and to judge yourself as a standard by. How am I doing? Well, I've done all these things. I've checked off the list and, and just keeping up appearances. Now, now, on the one hand, you're going, what's the problem with that? Well, I guess so far as it goes, it's good. But the problem is, Right? The problem is, what happens when the sin comes back? What happens when the indulgence comes back? Shame. Shame begins to settle in. Guilt begins to settle in. The person that you said, I'm going to turn over my, my new leaf to be this kind of person. I am this way. And all of a sudden, your old man rises back up. And now you feel like you can't keep up. And so now you start compromising on the promises you made. Now you just start trying to manage yourself, trying to suppress it all, keep it all down, just be this person out here, manage appearances, keep it up, and, and maybe it'll just go away instead of actually really changing at the heart level, right? And so then what you do is the cycle of shame moves forward. And so now you just say, I'll, I'll make more promises. I'll, I'll commit to even try even harder this time, right? And so the cycle of religion and shame moves forward. Now I'm really serious this time. 
Like I'm for, this time is different. I'm for real. The last seven times I wasn't so serious. This time I'm throwing my stick all the way into the fire. I'm for real. And it works. At least it seems. That's the really scary thing about religion is it has the appearance of power. And for a while, it seems like it works only to find yourself six weeks later back in the same cycle. And here's what's interesting about freedom through religion. We know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't. But all of us try this game. And I would dare say, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here. I would dare say this is the reason that many people bail on God and want nothing to do with Jesus because they associate him with this kind of mentality. They think that all this is is just reducing this thing to a list of do's and don'ts and your best effort to keep up with a certain morality. Listen, if that's all that Christianity is, I would bail too. I would absolutely bail. The hard truth of the whole religion game is that it reveals you can never find freedom within yourself. You you can't do it. So you can try indulgence. It doesn't work. You can try religion. It doesn't work either. So we have a third option. Let's try it on Easter. (laughs) You can listen to what Jesus says. You can listen to what Jesus says. Look, we got one more verse, verse 36. Look at what he says here. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, as we read this verse, leave it on the screens. As we read this verse, I want to ask you a question. How much of you showed up in that verse? Yeah, like none of you. (laughs) None. If the sun sets you free, you're free to not, not. The sun will set you free if you try hard enough for long enough, not. The sun will set you free if you mean it enough and muster up enough commitment. Not the sun will set you free if you can clean yourself up enough before God. Then it goes, ah, finally, someone I can work with, I'll set you free. It doesn't say that. It just says if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Listen, Christianity is not about giving yourself over to more codes, more lists, more morals. more it's not, it's not giving yourself over to those sorts of things. Christianity is not trying harder. Please hear this. Christianity is not trying harder. Christianity is confessing more. That's what Christianity is. It's not more effort. It's more confession. Help, save, lead, guide, protect. I got nothing without you. That's Christianity. That's, that's what we're doing here. So Jesus is piping up to say, hey, listen, let me do something for you that only I can do. I say, everyone hear this. There's a way where the words of Jesus go into your heart and into your mind. They go so deep. There's a place there that only he can reach to and only he can get to and to heal him up. His words have the power to get to places inside of you that nothing else on this earth can do. And so he says to you, if I set you free, if I release you, then you're really free. 
then you're really released. (laughs) Okay, so if you're like me, you hear this, you read this, and this is exactly even what I did this week. I I heard this, I read this, and I thought to myself, how do I know that's true? (laughs) How do I know that's true? Let me answer my own question. I'll put it to you this way. If you go into a tomb, totally pulverized, completely lifeless, you stay in that tomb for two days, and then your heart starts pumping again. And then your once scabbed over eyes start blinking again. And your hands with healing power start moving again. And you sit up and you take off your grave clothes. And in the moment of most swagger in history, you fold up your grave clothes. (laughs) And then you walk over to the stone that was put there to secure your tomb. And you roll your own stone. Tombstone, (laughs) you roll it away, and then you walk out into the Judean sunlight, stronger and better and more vibrant than you were before. If all of that happens, there's kind of a rule in the universe. Whatever you say goes. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm not making that up. Like, Wow, you did something. And whatever you say goes. There is no higher verdict. There is no higher verdict. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So track with me. The death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus means this. God wrote a check through the death of his son for your sin and mine to pay the debt we owed. The resurrection of Jesus means the check cleared. The check cleared. So all of your debt, all of your sin, past, present, future, laid on Jesus, every thought, every action, every word, everything that would ever be in your life, an offense to God, laid on him, not part of it, absolutely all of it. All of it. Your debt absolutely paid in full at the death of Jesus. All of your debt. And you never have to fear ever going into debt again. Because the check cleared. The check cleared. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And so the resurrection of Jesus... The reason the freedom of Jesus is so much better than every other kind of pseudo freedom this world has to offer. It goes deeper, it reaches farther, and it outlasts. The reason is because the resurrection of Jesus means that your future is secure. Your future is secure. I know there's massive anxiety in this room about future decisions, future realities, all these kinds of things. Listen to what the resurrection of Jesus says over that. God didn't lose his son on the darkest day in history. 
and the resurrection of Jesus means he won't lose you either. He won't lose you either. The resurrection of Jesus means it's, it's this indisputable sign that God is good, that he's good, that he's for you, and that all his power, all power, the omnipotent God is working toward you for good always, even through suffering. The resurrection is a sign of that. The resurrection is a sign that the nearness of God belongs to those who look to Jesus. It belongs to you. There's never a breath that you will breathe that God won't be present there with you as your father. Not a single one. Not a single one. Listen, he paid too high a price to have you. He doesn't want to miss a single second of life without you. The resurrection means God's nearness for you. It means God's nearness. The last thing I want to say is the resurrection of Jesus means that everything we're doing down here is just a dress rehearsal. Everything we're doing down here is just a dress rehearsal. Everyone who looks to Jesus, you're just a future king or queen in waiting. Because the scriptures say, because of his resurrection, Jesus, the son of God, now shares his inheritance with all who believe. You're just waiting for the day when you'll celebrate your last Easter and get to live in trillions of years of resurrection life. That's what's coming for those who believe. And so Jesus looks at us and he says, if the son sets you free, for all who look to Jesus, he sets free. He will never cast you out. No strings attached, nothing to cover over, nothing to pretend like it didn't happen. It all happened, but so did his cross and so did his resurrection. You're not defined by you, but by him. If the son sets you free, you're free indeed. And listen, he stands up today to save any, to save any who would look to him, any who would look to him. This is our king. This is his resurrection. This is our God.